Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wounded Blue Hour. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, a 34-year police veteran, retired from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, the author of A Cop's Life and the soon-to-be-released Rescuing 911, The Fight for America's Safety, and the founder of the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers, a national charity that helps injured and disabled cops. I, uh, I want to thank you for tuning in today. Uh, this show is dedicated to the physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being of the American law enforcement community. And uh, everything that we talk about on the show is uh, related to just that. You know, uh, I always begin this show with what I call our reality check. And the reality check is that violence continues to take police lives, and uh, I'm going to read four names of officers who lost their lives in the line of duty in just the last couple of weeks. The first is Police Officer Anthony Francone of the Pyramid, Pyramid Lake Paiute Tribal Police in Nevada. Police Officer Anthony Francone was struck and killed by a vehicle that was being pursued south of Nixon, Nevada. The pursuit went to the area of Route 446 and 447, where he was struck while deploying spike strips. The subject was shot and killed after he struck Officer Francone. Officer Francone has served in law enforcement for 25 years. He had previously served with the Eureka County Sheriff's Office and Story County Sheriff's Office when he re where he retired. After retirement, he served with the Fallon Paiute Tribal Police, Washoe Tribal Police, and the Pyramid Lake Paiute Tribal Police survived by his two sons, daughter, and sister. Police Officer Anthony Francone, Pyramid Lake Paiute Tribal Police. End of watch, Friday, August 25th, 2023. The next is Deputy Sheriff Matthew Pearson of the Shelby County Sheriff's Office in Texas. Deputy Sheriff Matthew Pearson was killed in a vehicle crash at the Texas State Highway 147 and Texas State Highway 103 intersection at 7.30 a.m. He was driving his patrol vehicle east and collided with a tractor trailer while attempting to make a turn. Deputy Pearson has served with the Shelby County Sheriff's Office for five days. Deputy Sheriff Matthew Pearson, Shelby County Sheriff's Office, Texas. End of watch, Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. The next is Sheriff Robert Rogers of the Wilcox, Wilcox County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. Sheriff Robert Rogers was killed in a vehicle crash while responding to a domestic call at 4.09 p.m. He was traveling on Highway 233 when his patrol vehicle left the roadway near Matthews Road. He struck a tree, and the impact overturned his vehicle on the driver's side. He died at the scene. Sheriff Rogers was elected sheriff in 2016 and was serving his second term with the Wilcox County Sheriff's Office. He had served 15 years in law enforcement before being elected sheriff. Sheriff Robert Rogers, Wilcox County Sheriff's Office, Georgia. End of watch Tuesday, August 29th, 2023. And Officer Brian Holly of the Hudson Independent School District Police Department in Texas. Officer Brian Holly suffered a fatal medical emergency shortly after performing afternoon traffic control at Bonner Elementary School. He collapsed at about 4.10 p.m. after completing the traffic control assignment. 
He has served with the Hudson Independent School District Police for 10 years. Officer Brian Holly, Hudson Independent School District Police, end of watch Friday, August 18th, 2023. Each of these officers, law enforcement officers, gave their lives in the line of duty, serving and protecting. The latest um, statistics from the Fraternal Order of Police on police shootings, as of the first of this of this month of September, 226 officers have been shot in the line of duty. That's uh, every every month we um, we update that figure. That doesn't that doesn't even count all the other physical assaults that are happening. Um, the, st the statistic that uh, comes from the FBI is last year more than 60,000 officers faced physical assault in the line of duty. The danger of this job physically is immense. The dangers of this job spiritually and emotionally and psychologically is just as dangerous. And that's why the Wounded Blue exists. If you are a law enforcement officer and you're facing you're facing troubles. The reason that the Wounded Blue exists is for you. Reach out, thewoundedblue.org. And if you haven't seen our, uh, our uh, notices for the third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit coming up September 26th to the 29th in Las Vegas, please go to the website, thewoundedblue.org, and register. It's only 295 bucks. The hotels are discounted, and this will be some of the greatest training that will prepare your, for a police career, or if you've had a police career, it will help you deal with some of the issues that many of us face even after retirement or leaving the job. Go to thewoundedblue.org and register today. I have a fantastic guest, as always. Um, I love I, I love what this what this man is doing for the law enforcement community. It's pretty incredible um, his what they're doing. So I'm gonna let I'm gonna bring him in and I'm gonna let him talk about it. He is his name is James Fotis. He is the president of the National Center for Police Defense, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna love what he does. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you, Randy. Thank you for having me on today. All right. So, and yes, thank you for everything you guys do. I mean, it's just amazing what the Wounded Blue do, does, and uh, you hit it on the head. We certainly need support for our officers that are injured in the line of duty and even on the job. Absolutely. And, and the su support that we're talking about is comes in many different ways. Um, First of all, before we talk about the organization, give a, give the the viewers and the listeners a little bit of background on Jim Fotis. Well, I was a police officer in New York in uh, Winbrook, not a very big department. Uh, we were we were a busy department only because we were a crossroad uh, about fifteen miles from the city line, had the Long Island Railroad running through our department. Uh, I was there for 14 years and then I left with uh, some bad knee injuries. Um, when I left, I was the uh, 
highest and most decorated officer in the history of the department, which I believe I still am, and uh, the department still exists, of course. And I don't know if you're familiar with Long Island, but with everything that's going on with New York City and uh, the boroughs, Long Island is still probably the most conservative area and the only place that cops are still have the ability to arrest somebody and actually keep them and send them away. So uh, that's one thing that's happening in the New York area. The rest of New York State, other than upstate New York, pretty much every big city in New York, you arrest somebody, they're let out in a few hours. It's, it's a horror, especially New York City. Absolutely. So that we'll we'll get into a little bit of that a little later on. But um, you are the president of the National Center for Police Defense, and if you would please talk about what the the NCPD does and the history behind it um, is uh, is fascinating. Okay, as. I'm the president and founder of NCPD. I actually ran another organization for 23 years out of Virginia, which was called Law Enforcement Alliance of America. And uh, as I had told you the other day, I wrote the original HR 218 bill, which took us almost 10 years to pass. Uh, in the end, uh, the National Carry Bill for Police Officers, uh, FOP got on it, got it through the Senate, and George Bush signed it in 2004 so uh, all police officers active and retired now have the ability to carry nationally and after i uh, finished up at that organization uh, thinking about what was happening in the country and happening to police and back in 2015 kind of saw that police were being abused they were being charged with crimes for just doing their job the way they were trained. So we formed an organization to try and help them, help them get through what was happening. Most police, as you know, you have a, a lawyer that's carried by your union or whatever organization represents you. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not, but they need help. Also, it's very expensive. So if your union has the money, they'll usually pay for it. If they don't, the officers need help. In addition to that, if they're not charged with a felony and not able to stay on a job in a non-street position, they just get regular pay, they don't get any overtime. So what we've tried to do is compensate for that also. We will not only pick up at least part of their defense costs, but we'll also pick up they're a mortgage, a car payment, help them with doctor bills. We'll do as much as we can to keep their life straight so they're sane. We do not want to see police lives destroyed. I've seen it over and over again. You get charged with a crime, you're acquitted, but your life is over. You're divorced, your wife is gone, your family's gone. We want to see police at least come through this as sane as possible. You created this organization uh, that, that you're working, that, that you, uh, you head now, in 2015, is that correct? Yes, correct. Okay. Yes. Well, you know, I, before we even move on there, I want to talk about, about your accomplishment with, with HR 218, the, the concealed carry 
um, for law enforcement officers. Now, I, I've been on the job since 1976 is when I got hired by my first police department. And there was no, there was no national carry bill. If you were a police officer in New Jersey and you went to California and you carried your gun, you could go to jail. They would act. They would arrest you for carrying a concealed weapon, even though you're a, you're a law enforcement officer. So, um, your accomplishment in writing that bill and working on it and getting it passed—that was a monumental piece of legislation that that uh, that you were that you were responsible for, and and literally has saved untold number of police lives because of the ability for those officers to carry weapons in any state uh, under that under that federal law. So that's a hell of an accomplishment. How did you get involved in that? Well, I'll explain. It was it was very selfish on my part when we formed the uh, Law Enforcement Alliance of America. I said, hey, I moved from New York to Virginia and I actually lived in D.C. for a while. And however it happened, the D.C. cops came and knocked on my door and asked if I had brought any weapons with me to D.C. You can't have you can't be armed, couldn't be armed in D.C. So I said, you know, this this has got to change. I'm a you know, I've arrested a lot of people. Other cops have arrested lots of people. You see somebody on the street, somebody you arrested, you know, could have been a bad guy, could be out of jail. Police should be able to be armed no matter where they are. If you're retired and even if you're on a job, you should be able to carry anywhere in the United States or any place that's owned by the United States. So I said, let me put together. I looked and I wrote the original piece of legislation and then I went to Duke Cunningham, uh, who you know was World War II flying ace. Uh, he later on got in trouble. Thank God our bill was already signed and Ralph Hall from Texas. They were very good. They liked the legislation. Then of course it went through many maturations through the House and Senate. It was rewritten by their counsel and then <clears throat> We kept on trying to get it to the floor. It was very, very difficult. Uh, Henry Hyde was in charge of judiciary. They didn't want it. And if you can believe this, armored guards got their bill passed to carry interstate before we were able to get ours for police officers passed. And then in 2004, George Bush finally signed it in July of 2004. And now active and retired police officers can carry anywhere in the continental United States or any territory of the United States. The problem became that everybody sees dollar signs when things like this happen. So in the state level for retirees, if a police department doesn't train you, you have to be trained every year and you have to pay somebody who is a trainer $65, $100, whatever, to get retrained. Now, we were cops for 20 years, 25 years. If you have a regular carry permit, it's seven years if it's a state carry permit. Yet, we have to be trained to carry every year. 
it's not understandable. But right now, we have a piece of legislation at the Congress that's attached to several other pieces of legislation that will change it to possibly five years. So we're trying to have that put in. John James from Michigan has it in a piece of legislation that he has out. So we are trying to get it extended so retired police officers do not have to be trained every year while non-retired, non-police officers can get a permit for seven years and carry through, I believe, at least 32 states without having to have get trained every year. So that's one of the things we're doing. I think it's ludicrous that police officers have to get trained every year after we've been on the job for so long. Right, right, exactly. And and the the, the realities of that and, uh, are that, you know, many of these officers, once you retire, you moved out of state, you go to a, um, you know, a state that you, you, you didn't, you weren't a police officer in. Having, um, you know, the different police agencies train you and certify you and, and issue the card where you now live, that can be a difficult process. It's not easy. And, uh, and so that's, that, that piece of legislation and that changing that to five years would be a, a real help. And it would make it would make it a, a lot safer for police officers. Right, and the most insulting thing I find is that you get trained by a civilian in many states. You don't even <laughs> yeah. go to a police department, so it's it's interesting. But look, at least we have it. And in your in your state where you were a police officer, New Jersey, Murphy is trying to revoke it. Yes, I've, so, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with that. It's a, it's insane. Yes. Luckily, federal law trumps state law, and uh, and and because they've tried to do this, California um, tried to do it as well. Tried to do it as well. Yes, yes. And the one thing I have to warn officers: you can carry, but you've got to watch the state laws because in some states, even though you have your firearm. The magazine laws state you can only have 10 rounds. So if you've got a 10 round magazine and one in the chamber, you're breaking the law. Yeah. So you've yeah. got to be very, very careful. Right. For sure. For sure. All right. Let's get back to the National Center for Police Defense. Um, currently, you're you're right now working on a lot of active cases. Um, can you talk about I know that Austin uh, there, Austin PD was in the news, actually the city of Austin was in the news today because of the rampant crime problem that is, that is uh, devastating that city and the shortage of police officers who they don't even have enough cops to answer their 911 calls within any semblance of a, of a, uh, uh, of a time period that makes it safe for the citizens. And uh, your organization is representing some Austin police officers, are they not? Are you not? Yes, we are. And we've been involved in this for quite some time now. There are, I believe, 27 total officers that are being charged by the DA. His name is Jose Garza, Travis County District Attorney, probably one of the worst in the country. Uh, his some of his statements originally were that if police officers are involved with a minority 
in any type of arrest, the police officer is probably going to wind up being charged with some type of crime. Uh, and that was as he was running for office. He is extremely liberal. He ran on George Soros money. He is, uh, my personal opinion, he's definitely on the corrupt side of the law, believes in his version, not the version that's written. He uh, does not give the grand jury the whole, the whole story. He gives them his story. And that's why the day after Memorial Day this year and the evening of Memorial Day, he sent attorney Douglas uh, O'Connell a note saying tomorrow we're going to have a grand jury hearing. We're going to charge five more cops in that same group uh, that uh, what transpired on the uh, day of the uh, of the uh, riots back in 2020. And what had happened was the city issued the police officers beanbags that had been stored wrong. They solidified, they used them on some of the rioters, some of the rioters got hurt superficially and all of these police officers now up to 27 have been charged with, uh, I believe, second and third degree assault. Um, Attorney O'Connell is working with most of those uh, at a very, very low compensation. We help them as the police officers come up for trial. We give money towards their defense. We try and give money towards uh, helping them at home, helping with car payments, helping with just funds to keep their families going. And uh, we also have had so many of them, you know, just come to us for moral support. And that's where you guys, what you had said earlier, we try to do peer support. Bertha has a little peer support group. We try to do peer support. But what we're finding is that when they get into the grand jury, the whole story is not coming forward and they're charged immediately. And then, <clears throat> and then of course they wind up going to trial and they get convicted and that's the biggest fear. And since, if you remember Daniel Perry, a few weeks ago, he was charged with uh, murder for shooting the Antifa person that came up to his car while he was driving an Uber and the Antifa person came 19 inches up to his face with a AK-47 and he shot him and then he drove away and he had six bullet holes in the back of his car and the Antifa person from the riot passed away. Daniel was convicted of murder and we're waiting. I believe he was convicted of manslaughter and he uh, is now waiting to be pardoned by Governor Bush because Texas has the best standing ground law in the country. Everybody was up in arms that Daniel Perry was convicted. The reason he was convicted was because 80 slides that were put in by the detective that did the investigation never made it to the grand jury and never made it to the, to the trial. So how can you justify this? How can you justify what this man is doing, yet he will probably be reelected? This is the worst DA in the country.
It, it is truly unbelievable. So all of these police officers, there's 27 cops, once they yes. became indicted, then did the did the police department then suspend them? They're not all suspended. Some are on light duty, um, and that's because like they have a halfway decent chief. Uh, some of the ones, uh, a few are suspended, and those are the ones that we usually send money to to help out with the family and stuff. But even when they're suspended, these police departments are not making a lot of money. They're not like a you know, New York Police Department, Nassau County, Suffolk County Police Department. So living on just your base pay, they have to go out and get a second job. But of course, if you're charged with a felony, it's very, very difficult to get a second job. So they have to live off of their base pay. It makes it very hard. And of course, if you're totally suspended, you can't get a second job. And that's what makes it even harder. So that's why we really, really try to bring in as much money as we can to help these cops. Right. And we're the only organization that I know of in the country that does that. There's one other organization that helps on defense, but that's it. And okay. we also we, we, do we've got we got to, we've got to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay. pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Cofix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Cofix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flu, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Changing the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty.
America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. One Nation Coffee. One Nation Coffee. Patriotic, uh, veteran-owned, very, very good coffee. I actually went down and visited their roasting facility and met with the folks down there, uh, John and his crew, and they are amazing people. The coffee is delicious. You order it online, they bring it right to your house. You can get the ground coffee, you can get beans. I like to grind my own. They've got uh, also got these, uh, you know, the, the containers that you put in your Kerrig or whatever that thing is called. So um, One Nation Coffee, go to onenationcoffee.com, order your coffee, and uh, you'll get great coffee, and you'll be supporting uh, a patriotic company that supports the Wounded Blue. So uh, go to onenationcoffee.com. I want to tell you about a company that does some pretty unique stuff that that uh, is very much related to the officer safety aspect of being a cop. It's called OfficerPrivacy.com. Pete James is the uh, is the owner of this company. He's a retired police officer uh, that's that's uh, created something that is really unique. OfficerPrivacy.com. Uh, when when I first met Pete and he was telling me about his company, uh, he was he revealed something to me that I really didn't know, and that is how easy it is to get information about you and your family on the internet. Uh, they people we got to be very very careful now because there's doxing going on. There's there's revenge pieces happening towards law enforcement and one of the ways that they find is through internet searches i didn't know how easy it was to find out where i where i lived and uh officer privacy went in there and what they actually do is they actually have personnel and they're all ex-cops or current cops and they go in there and they they go into the internet and do searches and then remove the items that identify you, identify where you live. And so this is really important stuff. Um, if you're a cop or you have been a cop, you should be really concerned. It's not expensive. Um, they do a lot of work. Uh, it's very labor intensive to do this. Uh, but I would f- really advise you to go take a look at officerprivacy.com, see who they are, see what they do, and uh, and and make a connection with them. Uh, the you know, we have to be concerned about our officer safety, and it means whether you're on duty or off duty. So check out officerprivacy.com. Uh, I vouch for them. They, they found 33 references to where I lived and removed them all. So uh, I'm a believer. Check it out, officerprivacy.com. Let's get back to our guest, uh, James Fotis of the National Center for Police Defense. Um, James, you, what you do is is amazing. Uh, you know, it's it, it, in the public consciousness. Um, 
the officers who are who are being criminally charged these days, I've never seen I've never seen it as bad as it is now. We have district attorneys all over the country. Most of them put in into into uh, office by George Soros money. The uh, and what they're doing is they don't want to prosecute criminals, but they do want to prosecute cops. And what they're doing in Austin with those 27 officers is unconscionable. I want to read, I want to read you a, uh, this, this uh, uh, news story came out today. Short-staffed Austin police ask robbery victims not to call 911 as crime ravages city. And instead of being concerned about the, 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 the rise in criminality and the safety of their citizens, Jose Garza, excuse me, Jose Garza, the district attorney, couldn't care less about that. He wants to prosecute cops and he'll do anything to do it. I'm sorry, now the, I didn't quite catch that. <laughs> so what, what your organization is doing, these officers who are, who have been pla placed, have been indicted, many of whom have been suspended, your organization helps them to live. They, you, you provide funding for the families. And that is a very, very unique service. How many, how many police officers do you think you guys have helped? Well, we've helped right now, total since 2015, I'm going to say we've helped. We've gotten, I've got probably 20 to 25 total we've had worked with at least eight that have been acquitted but lately most of the cases are being convicted it's just amazing the cases have become so difficult the cost of expert witnesses has gone through the roof each expert witness well over a thousand dollars an hour the, uh, as I said, the Daniel Perry case, close to $300,000. Expert witnesses were outrageous, and yet we still lost the case. And this is when these, as we start going towards getting all of these 27 go before court, go into court, the cost is going to be tremendous. And of course, obviously, we can't pay all of that. Uh, the one organization, uh, although they're helping, they kind of pick and choose who they want to represent. Uh, we just send chunks of money to uh, Doug O'Connell, who's a great attorney. He represents these guys. He exhausts himself representing them. Cleet, another terrific Texas organization, and they pay a large part of the bill. So. It's not just us. We do everything we can to help. We try to help as much with the stability. We have other officers across the country. And we, the other problem that we've found is the time. Supposed to have a speedy trial? All these trials are three and four years in the past. If they had been tried when they were charged, they probably would have been acquitted. Wow. Today, acquittals, are in the past and i'll give you an example and uh, this is this one still bothers bert and i and we're trying to uh, 
have them an appeal, which we've, we've already paid for, it's coming up, but two officers in Wilson, Oklahoma, three-man department, these guys loved being police officers. They were getting paid fifteen eighty an hour. And we asked them after the incident, "Would you? what would you do if you were quitted? They said, we'd go back to, to work. They wow. were so dedicated to their job. And uh, their name were Officer Dingman and Officer Taylor. They're both serving 10 years. We had the best attorneys. Uh, <clears throat> they gave their time pretty much for for the case, the uh, two men had a uh, a call on uh, July 4th evening, a young man in the street, naked, uh, acting very odd. They went there, he was very big, very lumbering, they couldn't get cuffs on, they tried to. A sheriff came to help them. He put a chokehold on the person, they finally got cuffs on him, the sheriff disappeared, and uh, the person, they, they did CPR on the person, he went to the hospital, there was <clears throat> no toxicology done on the person at the time. After that, the DA and their town board told them, no problem, you're quitted, everything was good. A year later, both charged with second-degree manslaughter. Trial, they're both in jail now for 10 years. It's, it's, it's hard to believe. It's truly hard to believe. For, wait, you mean to tell me that, that there was no toxicology done at, during an autopsy for... for uh, no. I'm speechless. I, I, I can't, I couldn't believe it either. And uh, the fact that the sheriff that put the chokehold on him was never tried and basically gone. You mean, you mean, what do you mean he disappeared? He wasn't there. And now the DA that tried them is up on, uh, on charges. So, uh, it, it was just a whole wrong case all the way down the line. And these two innocent cops who did everything they could, including CPR on the guy after the chokehold, they're in jail. Wow. It's... So we've been helping, we've been helping out the one, uh, Taylor, his family, his daughter has, uh, uh, diabetes she's very young and we've been helping them out as much as we can plus we're helping pay for the uh, appeal what how, how does a jury come to that conclusion I mean was it a it was a jury trial it was a jury trial it was a jury trial I have no idea how a jury comes to that conclusion and uh, as I say we had gotten the same attorney that we had gotten for Betty Shelby. She was very, very good, and she did it for practically nothing. And uh, I don't know. I we we still can't believe that they were they were convicted. Well, that's it's heartbreaking, is what it is. And this and and this is 
and, and we, we wonder why people don't want to take the police job anymore. You know, there was a, um, a few years ago, before all this insanity started, when, when NYPD would announce that they were going to be doing a police test, tens of thousands of people would show up to take that test. And, and uh, they, just gave, they just made an announcement for NYPD, and less than 1,000 people showed up. It's stunning. I know. It's stunning. And so this is the, the, what you're describing plays a role in the crisis facing law enforcement across America, and that is the lack of retention of police officers. Guys are quitting because they don't want to be those next officers that are brought up uh, on, on criminal charges that are literally trumped up. Uh, and so they, they're quitting, and people aren't taking the job anymore. So when, when you talk about th this, this type of injustice, there's a bigger picture here. It's not just those individuals who are facing the injustice. It literally affects all of law enforcement. It does. And what we say is there's a war on cops, not only the war in the street where people are trying to ambush police officers in every way they can think of, but the but a war by the system. The system is at war with law enforcement. The system is attacking law enforcement. Law enforcement cannot do the job. If they would let us do the job, so many of these things would go away, but we cannot do the job with our hands tied. And I don't see any, any way that they're going to let our hands be untied in the future. When you hear that Chicago, instead of hiring cops, are hiring social workers to go to family disturbances. And when I went on the job, Car stops and family disturbances were the most dangerous things you could go to. So what's going to happen? You know, you're already having 20 and 30 people shot every weekend in Chicago. What's going to happen now? Well, you know, this comes down to elections. And of course, and, and unfortunately, we're seeing people being elected to lead cities just as district attorneys are being elected, I call them Trojan horse district attorneys because they're, they're being let in through the gate, right? They're, get, they're being handed the responsibility by the voters. And it's stunning that, that these voters are putting people into place that are literally leading to the destruction of their, of their safety. From the, from the mayors to the city councils to the district attorneys. And we're seeing this on, a, on an ongoing basis, and I'm not seeing it slowing down. No, and logically you can't figure out what is in people's minds. In Virginia, when Governor Youngkin was elected, obviously, I'm sure you remember all of the things that went on in the Loudoun County School District. There were some uh, people that were arrested. They were after the school district for trying to uh, 
to force the children to read different things. There was a rape in the school for a young man that said he identified as a girl and went into the female's uh, bathroom and uh, had uh, sexually abused one of them. And there were so many things going on. And yet in Loudoun County, they voted for Terry McAuliffe as governor, not for Yunkin. So how do you get over those hurdles? It's become so difficult. And in that, you know, the police officers, they arrested somebody at one of those. We get put in a position where we have to do what the management, the government wants us to do. And then we look like the bad guys and we're not because we believe what the parents believe. I want to talk more about your about your organization. Um, you you're 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 helping out financially with officers that are facing the the, the, the literally the, the biggest nightmare that an officer can face is being criminally charged, especially being criminally charged for a legitimate use of force. And we're seeing this all over the country. So I mean, it, the, the resources are limited. How, how can people get involved with your organization and help to support it? Well, we try to raise money, obviously, through direct mail. You may get a letter that tells a story about one of the police officers that have been involved or a text. Uh, texting is always one of the best ways you can... Uh, you can make a, a donation through a text to the National Center for Police Defense, or just go directly to our website, www National Center for Police Defense, and uh, you can make a donation right there, come directly to us, or you can send a check to the National Center for Police Defense. The address is either on the website or it's 15051. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, let me just get the uh, address right, 15501 <laughs> Judicial Drive, Fairfax, Virginia, 22030. Okay, so, so, so citizens who are concerned about their law enforcement should, should probably, best, the best way is probably just to go to your website. Is the best way... You can go there, you can make a donation, donation goes directly to us. And that way it doesn't go through any uh, direct mail vendors that come directly to us. That's the best way to make the donation. And uh, again, you can, if you want information, you can call or go to the website. You can go to uh, info at National Center for Police Defense. We also get in and give information there. Uh, and there's uh, like phone numbers there. There's any anything you need is on the website. And if a law enforcement officer who is unfortunately facing this type of situation, um, do they also go to the website? Yes, they can go to the website and they can also go. Facebook also has National Center for Police Defense. They can go there and get information and call us. So any one of those ways is the best way to get get to us. What what's the, now? The unfortunate reality is that 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 some of the officers who 
who wind up being arrested are truly, you know, doing, you know, doing things that are that are illegal. You know, there's there's unfortunately the reality is that there that corruption exists, that um, that the the misuse of of, of public power for private benefit, um, you know, which can include violence, does take place on occasion. There's officers who 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 do legitimately uh, commit crimes. How do you how do you vet the the officers that you are looking at to help? How do you vet them? Every case that comes in, we bring back Bert and I and our third uh, board member who was a, a Virginia uh, attorney general. We first go through everything and then we <clears throat> call up the attorneys that are representing them also and look at that. And then we decide whether or not uh, this person should be taken on as one of our uh, cases uh, since we've all been in law enforcement and as I said our third person is currently counsel and he's additionally been an AG we believe we have the expertise to go through and pick them so far I think we've done a pretty good job we haven't had any cases that have been uh, been wrong so that's the way we pick them. Every case goes through. If there's one of us that votes against it, that's it. Gotcha. We don't take the case. Right. Okay. Yeah. That. That. I mean, and it's heartbreaking. I mean, you're you're when you're making these decisions, you know, these are um, you're 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 playing a significant role here, and that's got to be a that's got to weigh on your mind as well. It's very difficult, and we've had some call. The, sometimes the biggest problem is after someone's been convicted, and they call us for help on how do I, what do I do now? I need money for counsel. I need money to go for an appeal. I need money to do so many things to try and get the conviction overturned, and we just can't help them at that point we just don't have the funds we don't have the ability if you don't start in the beginning seeking help from us we just can't go back and help uh it we've had many police officers federal officers come to us and say you know i didn't do this i was convicted now i'm out and i want to go back and i want to get my name back we give them counsel we tell them where to go but we just can't get involved at that point. Okay, so that, that brings up a, an interesting question. <clears throat> um, do you have a like a list of attorneys that are that that you guys vet for their prowess in the courtroom and their um, abilities? Do you do you have a because I mean every state is different, so you know. Some there are lawyers that may be able to practice in numerous states, but generally speaking, if a crime occurs in, say, New Jersey, you've got to have somebody from the New Jersey bar there. Do you have a, a list of attorneys that you reach out to? Yes, we do. We have not attorneys in every state, but we have at least 
five that will give us information or be of counsel if they're needed. Uh, two from New York and New Jersey, and then we have a couple from uh, Oklahoma. And so if somebody needs help, at least we can assist them there. And then we have uh, one in Texas. But we can also, they have people that they can reach out to. So we can try and get them there. But the ones in New York do work with New York City Police. They are very well versed and they, we've used them in several cases that they've won and they know New York very well. And they're, I would, I would say if you're rating them, they would be A's across the country. Well, and, and this is where I want to give a plug to the Fraternal Order of Police. The FOP is the largest police um, association in the country. I think about 350,000 members. And the most important thing that they do is they have a legal defense plan that is uh, incredible because, I mean, you mentioned Betty Shelby before. You know, she was charged with murder, um, and, and her trial cost over a million dollars. Um, she told me personally that if she didn't have the FOP Legal Defense Fund, um, she'd probably be in prison now. So if you're a yes, police officer, yes. I urge you to join the FOP. Pay, the, pay the, the dues and get your legal defense fund because, you know, it, it can happen to you. And uh, even if you're, you, you know, the, the, the FOP doesn't represent your department, um, you can still become an associate member and get that legal defense fund. I, it's, it's critical stuff. So once again, I um, agree with you, James, what, what is the, what is the website again? It's www.nationalcenterforpolicedefense.com. Okay. Uh, for, for my viewers and listeners, I, I urge you to go to that website and give what you can. These men and women who are being abused by the very system that they have fought so, so hard to protect, um, that betrayal is taking place across the country. And this is a fantastic organization. They're truly doing the Lord's work, and uh, and they're changing lives. So, James, we've run out of time. I want to thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Wounded Blue Hour. And I know that your organization and my organization are going to continue to explore ways that we can work together and assist injured and disabled officers, whether those injuries are physical or psychological and emotional. And we can, we can uh, you know, Definitely. Uh, I'm looking forward to working together with your organization. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been great. Thank you. Okay, we'll talk soon. I would, I would ask you this. The Wounded Blue is the national assistance and support organization for injured and disabled officers. We are a, a charity. We run only on donation. And I, I want you to know this right up front. I do not take a salary. I live on my pension. So we put the money into programs. Uh, our team of, of truly dedicated peer support team officers are second to none in their caring for their brothers and sisters. The whole team is made up of cops who have been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed over. They continue to serve in amazing ways. 
They are truly heroes. And they care so much that even though many have faced devastating injuries themselves, they still continue to serve their, their community, their brothers and sisters. So if you're struggling, please connect with us. We are literally, literally a resource for every cop in America. And for those of you who um, are in leadership positions, uh, I urge you to check out the, our third annual National Law Enforcement Survival Summit. It's September 26th to the 29th in Vegas at the Ahern Hotel. It is the most incredible training conference you will ever attend. I guarantee it. I know it because I designed it. <laughs> so I know we've got entertainment. We've got great food. It's all contained in the Ahern Hotel. And it is uh, uh, some of the most amazing speakers in the country, including Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, Dave Smith, Betsy Smith, um, incredible speakers. So I urge you to go to thewoundedblue.org and register. Your, if you're a leader, send some of your people. Show that you're a leader. And if you're a cop, if, if, if you got to pay for it yourself, do it. Now, if you're an injured officer, we do have some scholarships available. You can contact me personally, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. That's Randy at thewoundedblue.org. And if you're, if you're a, a citizen who cares about their cops, please go to thewoundedblue.org. Do 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month, whatever you can afford. We really, truly need your help. So once again, thewoundedblue.org. I am Randy Sutton. I am your host. And I want to thank you for taking the time of joining me today. Support your police and be safe out there yourselves. Randy Sutton, thank you.